This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Right, welcome back. Well, obviously, a lot of Canadians are watching this election with great interest, not just following politics. U.S. politics can be fun to watch as a spectator sport, but wondering what it all means to us. Uh, is the Trump phenomenon going to impact politics in this country to any large extent? As I said before the bottom of the hour, I do think it gives the left a big club to use against conservatives in this country. Say, sure, you want a Trump here, you got a Trump down there, don't want a Trump here. That guy's like Trump, that guy's like Trump. We saw just the other day of the PC leadership race. With Sandra Jansen dropping out of the race and, uh, you know, comparing uh, Jason Kenney to Donald Trump. You're going to see a lot of that. So there's that. But in terms of the relationship between our two countries, what is this going to mean? Canada benefits when the U.S. does well. We've got a close trading relationship with the United States. Hopefully, all of Donald Trump's, uh, Trump's talk about NAFTA doesn't have uh, any negative fallout for us there is the potential that this is a incoming president that will say yes to keystone xl and that would be good news for alberta for canada joining us uh, for some further thoughts pleased to welcome the program here today uh kevin libin columnist uh, for the national post managing editor for the national post and financial post and it's going to be part of this uh, political panel in a couple of hours as mentioned the university of calgary school of public policy kevin thanks for joining us here today appreciate it Hi, Rob. It's a pleasure. Uh, it was quite something last night, wasn't it? What an exciting night. I'll tell you, uh, the United States, just when you think you've figured it out, uh, they show you just how spectacularly unpredictable they can be. And, uh, and uh, it's the innovation nation. And boy, did they innovate something unusual last night. All right. Well, you had an interesting piece today that, you know, the conventional wisdom that was, uh, you know, this was Hillary's election to lose. And we we're trying to think, well, what's what's she going to mean? Because it's hard to pin down the Clintons on where they stand on certain things. That There were reasons that Canada had to be concerned about a Clinton presidency, you argue. Yeah. I mean, if you followed the Canadian media throughout the entire U.S. election and think back to what you heard about, it was about Trump's demagoguery. No doubt that existed. His xenophobia, that was there too. Mm -hmm. His chauvinism, his crassness, his vulgarity, his lies, all true. But how much did we really hear about what does a Trump presidency mean for the Canadian economy versus a Clinton presidency for the Canadian economy? What we do know is that the Canadian economy is not doing very well. We, I mean, we saw in the fall economic update a couple of weeks ago just how bad our situation is going. Our GDP growth is minimal. Uh, we're spending our way into debt and deficit in the name of stimulus, which is dubious at best. And the one big factor, of course, missing that uh, that was a big part, the big sort of the dog that didn't bark, so to speak, in the U.S. election is what will the U.S. economy be like under the next president? And under Clinton, we pretty much could be guaranteed that it was going to be more of the same. In fact, it might have been worse. She was proposing higher taxes, more regulation, a larger welfare state. Nobody really in this country took the time to look at what a Trump presidency might be for the economy uh, in Canada. And in fact, the news is pretty good. Well, is it? I, I worry uh, a lot about uh, the prospect of trade wars, uh, NAFTA getting torn up. Uh, I don't know that he's talked about putting tariffs on anything from Canada, but if we start seeing tariffs on goods from China and China retaliating with tariffs, th this could all be very bad. 
Well, listen, let's make no mistake. Trade wars never went away, even under NAFTA, even under Obama. The softwood issue is back on the, on the table again, and we don't know whether we're going to make out okay on that. Uh, there was the issue with Obama during the Buy American phase. Even under NAFTA, Canada has always had a complicated relationship with the United States on trade. But Donald Trump's trade rhetoric never once mentioned Canada. He was focused on Mexico. He was focused on China. Now, whether or not he can abrogate NAFTA and whether or not he will abrogate NAFTA is a big question. I do not dismiss that. Uh, that is the one thing that we don't know about, and trade experts are unsure whether he can. But I am consoled by the fact that the entire Congress is Republican. The entire Congress are generally pro I mean, not, I mean, the entire Republican Congress is generally pro-trade. So I'm a little less concerned today than I was before about Trump just being rash about NAFTA. But what I do know, and you alluded to this, is that Trump is 100% pro-Canadian oil. And for how long has it been since Canada has had a president, uh, I can tell you it's been eight years, that, <laughs> where we could count on a, a pro-oil, a pro-Canadian oil approach. And so today, here, I mean, here in Alberta, the sun is shining. Everybody's got to be feeling a little bit better about Keystone XL because that was, as we all saw, killed for political reasons by the Democrats. Secretary of State Clinton was pro-Keystone but was forced uh, into a, or, or, or chose to be in an anti-Keystone position to appeal to the Bernie Sanders camp and the, and the celebrity Greenerati that surrounded her. But now we have a president who actually says he's in favor of this thing. And unless, frankly, the Alberta government suddenly turns against it, and, um, or the Canadian government, I mean, it's already been approved by the NEP, that is such a huge boost for Alberta specifically and Canada generally that uh, that's the thing that I, that's got me most excited today. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the prospect in, in the, the coming months of a yes on uh, Trans Mountain, a yes on Keystone XL, it's been hard to feel optimistic about Alberta's fortunes for quite some time. Uh, that would do it. That would certainly get me feeling optimistic. That was the thing. I mean, you remember Trudeau, we were always hearing he would approve Trans Mountain, but he would sacrifice Energy East. So Alberta was really only going to get one pipeline. And, so, and we were supposed to make do with that. That was supposed to be like our half loaf. But, you know, there's no reason Alberta should be settling for a half loaf, and there's no reason Canada should be settling for a half loaf. I mean, this is, uh, the State Department itself, uh, under Clinton, had said there will not be measurable carbon uh, increases because of Keystone XL. They said that the oil is going to get to market one way or another. And in fact, now that the Alberta government has put an oil sands cap here in Canada, the emissions will only rise to a certain point anyways. That wasn't even part of the State Department's consideration at the time. So the fact of the matter is we might as well, I mean, that oil is going to be produced one way or another. It's either going to go by rail, which was, of course, the complete backwards logic of the green movement was they were forcing the oil sands oil to go by rail, which would have been more climate and more climate uh, damaging, uh, more carbon intensive. 
it would have been more expensive. And of course, as we saw in Lac Megantic, it would have been far more dangerous than a pipeline. So now we're actually getting a pipeline that's safer, less carbon intensive, and cheaper, that is more profitable for Canadians than what we were looking at under the Obama administration. And uh, we hopefully will be getting it soon. I mean, that I, again, unless, unless some Canadian politician is prepared to shoot themselves in the foot and say, now, you know what, we're against Keystone XL. This is going to be a big change for Alberta just in terms of our immediate attitude and in the investment coming into this province, but also just in terms of the long-term sustainability of our, of our economy. Right. Now, it's interesting you mentioned carbon, because I think this changes the debate around carbon taxes. I, I've supported the concept of how do we get Justin Trudeau to say yes to, to, to a pipeline, and, and that maybe pricing carbon is a way to do that. Clearly, things have changed in the United States. So the notion that we're somehow going to impress the U.S. president by putting a carbon tax and putting a cap on oil sands emissions, uh, that's out the window. I don't think Donald Trump really cares about that. Uh, and frankly, he may say yes to, to Keystone XL even before any kind of carbon tax kicks in. So what, what, how does that change the debate here, do you think? I mean, he doesn't even not... He's not only ambivalent about it, he is hostile to the idea of carbon taxes. And in fact, the news that just broke within the last hour was that he's appointed a prominent uh, climate skeptic uh, to lead the transition of the EPA, which, of course, has the entire green movement uh, already setting their hair on fire. The, the, he, is, he, he has absolutely no concern whether you like it or not. And I, I'll be clear, some people will not like it. But this is a president who has shown no concern about climate change. He has no concern about carbon emissions. And now we've, we're in a difficult situation here in Canada where we have now committed, as you say, to a carbon tax that will actually make us less competitive vis-a-vis the U.S., um, to appease the U.S., when the U.S. doesn't even care. They don't, they, they, we have a president and a Congress in the United States that does not care whether we have a carbon tax or not. And it will be fascinating to see how the Trudeau government can possibly climb down, if at all, from the commitment that it's made to a carbon tax, let alone the Alberta government, which, of course, legitimized the whole justification for a carbon tax on the need to get our oil to market. If we're getting TransCanada, if we're getting TransCanada Keystone XL, and we're getting tra- and we're getting Trans Mountain Pipeline, and we don't need a carbon tax to do it, then what are what are we doing? It why why are we handicapping ourselves against our largest trading partner when our emissions profile is so low globally that ultimately any difference that we make to our own emissions will have virtually no effect on the climate. Uh, worldwide uh, 100 years from now. Yeah, I don't think there's any escaping that, absolutely. Now, just one more point, too, on, on taxes. And one thing I, I think Trump was right about is that the corporate tax rate, people focus on income taxes, but the corporate tax rate in the U.S. is is a lot higher than it, than it ought to be. And that's something that if he addressed, I, I think that that would go a long way. Conversely, though, Trump has talked a lot about cutting taxes and spending a lot of money. I think the debt situation in the U.S. might get a lot worse. Um, which is bound to have a, a bigger impact? You know, that's a great point. I think it's undeniable. Republicans spend money. They are reckless spenders just as much as Democrats. Um, of course, Hillary was promising a trillion dollars in new revenue for the government over the next 10 years, another trillion after that. But that money was intended to go into social programming, essentially. She was expanding the welfare state. She wanted to expand Social Security. Um, There's the whole Obamacare thing, which is now likely uh, due for a major 
deconstruction under Trump. And it, in fact, probably would have had to have been deconstructed to some degree under Clinton, just because the whole thing is proven to be such a debacle. Uh, Trump, I mean, if you listen to his speech last night, he, he sounded like Bill Murnau. I mean, he was talking about building bridges and yeah. highways and putting Americans to work. I mean, essentially, he's talking about a stimulus program. Now, I don't believe in a stimulus program in Canada, which is a large open or a small open economy, rather. But actually, in a, in a, in a, in a closed, more closed economy like the U.S., it actually has a larger effect because you can buy your supply, all your supplies and all your workers and all your materials can come from within the, within the country. They don't have to come from without the country. And, um, I mean, I, I have no doubt he's going to, he's going to run, run the debt up. I think that was inevitable under Clinton as well. But, um, I think the fact that, uh, the United States will be back to work again, uh, while again, I don't believe in stimulus, I think for Canadian exporters, at least that's a big deal. I think we, you know, and, and, and as you say, the corporate taxes, you have $2 trillion of American profits parked offshore that companies do not want to bring back into the U.S. because they'll be subject to one of the three highest corporate tax rates in the, in, in the world. He, and Trump has, whether if he can keep this promise, has offered a sort of a one, one-time amnesty, a 10% tax for those companies to bring their profits, repatriate them back to the U.S. That in itself will provide a huge private stimulus to the American economy that uh, doesn't require the intervention of the central bank and doesn't require any, the government to go into debt. Let's hope so. Uh, Kevin, we'll leave it there. People can find your piece today. It's up at financialpost.com. Always appreciate it. Thanks for making some time for us here. Hey, it's a pleasure. I look forward to the next four years. Uh, We can check back in then. (laughs) Yes, we shall. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Kevin Libin, Managing Editor of the National Post and Financial Post, and uh, he's hosting this uh, this chat at the University of Calgary School of Public Policy today as well, uh, the day after the big election with uh, former Congressman Bill Owens, who we heard from earlier, and also Stefan Pasatino, who had worked with uh, Rick Perry and Ted Cruz. It might be full, I think, that event. You can go to policyschool.ca, though, uh, to find out a bit more about it. Listen, we've got to take a quick break here. Let's come back and close up with more of your calls at 403-974-8255. It's Afternoons on News Talk 770. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.